One of the things, uh, if we've never met, one of the things that I absolutely love uh, doing is uh, going like on car rides and driving places and doing that sort of things, especially places I've never been uh, or going through places I've never been. So we, uh, when we go places as a family, vacation means a long drive. I don't understand why you'd go on a plane and look at clouds. You can see those all the time, you know, and, uh, but I love driving places and going places. I love not knowing where I'm going and just we use our app on our phone and when we get tired we book a hotel room and and then it's just it works it's amazing uh, and uh, I don't know how people did this in the past they'd interact with humans and stuff but we just uh, I'd really really enjoy it I, I once uh, when I was in college I led a, a like volunteered in this little youth group at our local church and we we're going to go to Christian Day at Six Flags or all these Christian bands and it ended up being a total flop because the Christian kids in the youth group hated the Christian bands. And it was kind of a confusing moment for me, but I was young. But we had two cars, and I got in one, and I started driving, and I knew Six Flags was near Charlotte. Uh, I didn't know how far away that was, <laughs> or like what exit, or any, and this is pre-look it up on your phone, right? And so we're driving and driving and driving, and after about two or three hours, someone goes, hey, so... When do we get there? And I'm like leading a group. My answer, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I think there'll probably be a sign, right? <laughs> I'm the leader. There'll probably be a sign, right? <laughs> like, uh, not everyone appreciates that style of leadership. Um, the person driving the other car didn't <laughs> at all. We're still friends to this day. Um, less friends, but still friends. <laughs> But I just have that, when I go places and I eat at a new restaurant, I love, and you can do this, I stole it from someone else, I, I ask the person who's serving, I, I ask them what's awesome. Like, I want the coolest thing, like the thing that was going to make me want to come back here. Uh, and, and then I eat, also, sometimes it's terrible, right? Like, it's not what I like at all. Other times, well, <laughs> in the spring, we were down uh, in California at a restaurant with our family, and I pulled this. Seriously, half our bill was me. I, I didn't look at the price. That's a mistake sometimes. And, uh, and, and like my portion of how much we paid was what I was thinking we'd pay for everyone at the table. And, uh, and it wasn't as good as I paid for. But, so I won't tell you where I was, ESPN Zone. And we'll just keep going. But, but there is this... Uh, there is something about uh, living life this way that I really, really enjoy. To be able to say, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to jump in. But on the other hand, it's this risk that I take. Because sometimes I take a leap and it's terrible, right? And, and it's not like I go out to eat a lot. And so sometimes I go out to eat and it is terrible. And I'm giving away my money for a bad experience, which is... I don't understand that at all. I should be able to say, like, this was a negative experience. You should pay me, and then we'll be done here, which doesn't work out. But we have these kind of, when we watch these Bob Goff videos, if you're in a life group and stuff like that, a lot of times you've been saying, like, oh, I could never get on a boat and just sail to Hawaii and not be able to use a compass and see how that works out. You know, like, that's ridiculous. Um, and the kind of push that we're trying to do is get you to do little ridiculous things, like... Don't listen to your GPS in your car. <laughs> like it says, turn right, turn left, see what happens, right? Or actually have a conversation with another human being while you're waiting in line for something. Like these 
little risks, which will start to pay off big rewards and bigger rewards, and then you'll be uh, willing to take maybe larger risks. So we're going to talk about risks today. We're talking about this today, and then we're talking about this next week. And if you're in a life group, the, today's the last, or this week, sorry, is the last video. My group meets tonight, but the, this week is the last video, but there'll be one more uh, session on this, and then your life group can decide if it, what it does, or if it keeps going, or whatever, or if you just look up random Bob Goff videos on YouTube and talk about what on earth and work on your impersonation. I'm getting more and more impersonations, which I appreciate. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 12. If you open up an app, it takes forever. Genesis 12, and it'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. Genesis chapter 12 at the beginning is one of my favorite scriptures. I'll probably preach on this every couple of years. If you've been here for a long time, I talk about this scripture as much as I possibly can because I think it's one of those definition scriptures uh, for who we are as people. Uh, in the Bible, uh, there's Abraham, or Abram, as, as his name was changed later on, uh, is this character that sticks out because everything's kind of flowing along, flowing along, and then God like kind of picks somebody out and says, you're going to be the guy. And Abram was... Uh, um, like a nomadic, agrarian, tribal kind of person. And what he, this like society and culture that he lived in thousands of years ago was very nomadic, but very like tribal based. And, and, and Abraham's tribe would give him like his, uh, who he was. And, and growing up, his, like, not just like his name, but his identity, like I am part of this clan or I am part of this group. And they would give him like his, his support system and, and the, uh, like an understanding of the, his known world. Learning about the world outside of your tribe would, it's, would be useful maybe if you were going to war against another tribe or another tribe was coming to war against you, but you wouldn't outside of your tribe is a part of the world you don't have to worry about or learn about. It would be his assumed destiny would be to eventually lead his own part of the tribe or to lead uh, his family within the tribe and work for the tribe's goodness. And so who he was, not just like what he did, but who he was, was defined by this notion of tribe. I think we, uh, this question of identity is of radical importance to us, especially at this time for us culturally, because as, as we've talked about, like, uh, and I mean, not we, but like the culture talks about moving from this thing that we called a Christian nation or Western, the Western world was Christian to this post-Christian or secular version of society that are, are who we are not just as individuals, but as a culture changes. But as individuals, we end up trying to grab onto and figure out who we are and what our identity is. Because for a long time, previous to this, your identity would be something that would be handed down through a, a relatively stable family structure and a relatively stable like cultural structure where this is who we are and this is who we become. And so today... What ends up happening, especially for young people today, you're, they end up trying out different identities. They're this person online, or they're this person on this social network, and this person on this social network, this person at school, this person at church, this person at home. And when you or I grew up, those of us with gray hair, we called that hypocrisy. 
<laughs> Today, young people would call that life, like finding out who I am because that quest for identity is a radically difficult quest. And so we start grabbing that thing. So we have like, like maybe we have like a national identity. I am American or I am an immigrant or I, I am this or I am that. Or we have, um, I see a lot of people that define themselves by tragedy. I am a cancer survivor or I, I am divorced. That is who I am. It's not just an event in my life or, or a, a circumstance that surrounds me. There's uh, this move in our culture to define ourselves by, by sexuality, which is a, a unique shift, I think, uh, just, and I'm not even speaking of judgment on it, what we say, see is people defining themselves by their sexual behavior. And we see people um, who define themselves by their ambition or their responsibilities or career or by their role. Uh, I am a stay-at-home mom, and, and there's this militant movement towards that, which is, a, or I am a CEO, or I am a blue-collar. Like, and so we start, in our culture, identity doesn't come from something that someone has given us. Identity is something that we have to go and find. And so we see this kind of reaching and grabbing and moving and changing and trying to figure those things out. People will say, it's really, really popular now to say, family isn't always blood. And I tell my kids, yes, it is. <laughs> like, your family is what I said your family was, and your last name is Carmichael, and you live in my house. That's how you know you're in my family, right? Those other people, in times of war, will turn your father over. So don't, like, and, and so there's, <laughs> don't share our secrets. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but there is this, this kind of redefinition of who we are and how we move. But for Abraham, or Abraham, who he was would be very much a part of his cultural identity. He was a tribal guy from his family. In Genesis 11, towards the end, we see his family. There was this person who gave birth to this person, and they had these people, and, and there was this who I am is whom I am related to and how we live. And so when Abraham begins his kind of journey with God, the thing that God says to him becomes remarkably shocking. And we'll read it and go, yep, all right, that's Genesis 12. We've read this story for thousands of years. But if you can, this morning, we'll try to understand what maybe it would have been like to hear God say this and then end up seeing how this connects, I think, to us today. So this is Genesis 12. We'll just read the first three verses and then uh, kind of talk it through. Now, the Lord, this would be God, said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and to him who dishonors you, sorry, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families, as some Bibles say nations, of earth shall be blessed. So Abraham's interaction with God begins with, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. 
go from everything you know, everything you identify yourself as, everything you assumed was your destiny for your life, leave that. Which so far seems really exciting, right? Like if God calls you, we celebrate this stuff, like God has called somebody to be a missionary, to go to a faraway place, and they're called to leave this, and, and, and they're going to that thing, and, and so we have this amazing moment until we read the second part of the sentence where it says, and go uh, to the land that I will show you. So leave, and I'll, sh- I'll like show you when you get there. It's a little harder to celebrate that calling. Well, I know I'm not supposed to be here, but where are you supposed to be? I will know when I get there. <laughs> you tell that to your like, teachers and your guidance counselor, right? I know I'm not supposed to be in high school. Well, what are you going to do? That is the good question. <laughs> God is calling Abraham to follow him to who knows what. Like, when I go on my road trips, I know where I'm going. I'm going to Six Flags. I'm going to L.A. I'm going to the East Coast, right? Like, I've got a general direction, and I know if I keep moving in this general direction, Abraham, leave here. And go. How much gas do I need? What should I pack? Like, what kind of clothes should I bring with me? And it's not like Abraham's this young guy, you know, because it's cool when young people go and do this, explore Europe or whatever. Abraham was an old guy, and he was a rich guy, and he had lots of responsibility and lots of people who he was responsible for. And he, to just get up, this isn't him getting up and taking what he can carry. This would be like an industry getting up and moving, like a whole corporation of people, your entire workplace getting up and going. And the guy at the front saying, we're going to start moving. And people saying, which direction? And he'll say, that, yes, <laughs> exactly, in a direction. <laughs> a lot of times in our culture, or when we talk about calling, when we talk about like, what's God want you to do with your life? We start backing up because you need to know these things, right? And you start wondering, like, uh, I know when I was younger, I would pray and ask God to like, write it down, you know, like Moses got those two tablets, maybe I could get something like that, like do this, and where should I live, and who should I marry, and how many kids, and what job, and, and all this, I would like this on a list, and, and God instead seems to just say, I'll let you know when we get there, which doesn't help. It doesn't make me have this great amount of confidence in God, like, oh, I know that we're supposed to be moving, and how do you know when you got there? Uh, we'll probably be able to look in hindsight and say, yep, we were in the, we've been, we're on the right track, we're doing something. And so much of when we think about calling ends up being like, so what's your giftedness? And we use words like we want you to f- find your fit so you can really flourish and all those kinds of things. And, and we spend so much time, time to nail this down because we're like, and I understand this pressure. This is what I'm talking about. I want to know that I'm doing the right thing that God wants me to do. 
I want to know that the way that God has gifted me is like useful or something. And the problem is Abraham is very good at what he was doing. Like he's a good tribal guy. Doors are opening for him. He's becoming more wealthy. And we fall into that open door theology where we just walk into opportunities. Oh, there's a little bit of resistance there. So that mustn't be what God wants me to do because God doesn't want me to go through something that's actually difficult. God's goal and the reason his son died was so that I would have an easier life. That's a joke. You're all like, write that down. James said it. (laughs) Wow. Okay, that was sarcasm. So you're going to need to follow we start to create this like deal with God, like, God, all right, you show me or you let me know what we're going to do and the direction that we're going to go, and then I will start moving. And God apparently doesn't have this desire to work on my timetable or your timetable. God doesn't have this desire to uh, submit himself as the God of the universe to our rule over our lives. In fact, I would maybe say that that's the opposite of what we're talking about when we talk about Christianity. If we talk about Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, the opposite of that would be that we are our Savior and we are our Lord. Or maybe even further, we are God's Savior and God's Lord so that we can help God operate a little better in this world if he follows our instructions and meets the demands of our deal with God. And so Abraham is actually challenged to give up everything that you do, everything that you identify yourself with, and become something else. Like he isn't told, here's where you're going to go, or here's how you're going to operate, or here's the neat things you're going to do. It's just, this is what he's told. I will make you a great nation. This is verse 2, okay? So this is like these three blessings. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. I like that deal, right? If God calls me to go somewhere where I don't know and he's willing to make me great and make, bless me and make my name great, that's a good deal. And you need to know, Abraham lived in a time when people weren't famous. Like now, everybody's famous. Right? So like being famous isn't even famous anymore. You can be famous and you haven't done anything. Like you get a reality TV show and then some people watch it. I just, I'm not saying our society is going down the drain. I'm watching it. All right? (laughs) There is, I I don't want to say that because I'm struggling with being old. And, but there is just... For Abraham, being famous, like being known outside of his tribe, like you'd maybe want to be known by the tribes that surround you. Known because you want them to be scared of you and not attack you and so that you can have some kind of dominance so that you can provide some security for your tribe or your family. But being known and uh, like being famous is a ri- for Abraham and for us is a ridiculous thing to want. I want a bunch of people to know me. And so this blessing that God is promised, or this promise of blessing, saying I will make you so your descendants will become this great, large, 
family, this great large tribe, and I will bless you, and I will make it so that people say your name differently than they say other people's names. I will make it so that people know who Abram and later Abraham is. And so we think, I will follow God with that deal. I don't know where God's leading, but I know what's going to happen. This is a promise, I think, that relates, and we'll get to that in a second. I don't know where I'm going, but I know what's going to happen. And when we start to look at the blessing, we can start to think, okay, this is a good deal, because I've made a deal with God that if this isn't going to suck, then we'll go ahead and do this. And so you say, okay, here's what I get. All right, we're going to move forward with it. But then God tacks this thing on the end when the Lord speaks to him. He says, I will bless those who bless you. Okay. I will, him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families or all the tribes or all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. This, this sentence is the complete opposite to what we're thinking up to this point. Isn't it? Because my deal with God is all about me. Abraham's understanding up to this point as God's speaking is, I'm going to be famous, I'm going to be big, my descendants are going to be a large group, this is a good deal. And then it switches because everything about Abraham so far has been build my tribe, intimidate the other tribes, provide security, we will grow and prosper, and, and this is who we are. To where God's saying, I want you to leave this understanding of the way the world works. And for you to become a tribe whose objective in the world is to bless the other tribes. Every tribe is trying to be as prosperous as it can. And your tribe is going to be this weird tribe that makes the other tribes as prosperous as it can. This is where things get confusing. Because this is the opposite to everything that Abraham would have thought or assumed, or thought his destiny was up to this point. This runs counter to everything in our culture that teaches us we're supposed to be famous. We're supposed to make it so that our name is great. I want my stupid video to go viral and find some kind of satisfaction in my lonely life through that. And, and yet, God calls Abraham to become this guy who lifts others up and makes their life awesome. We end up with sentences like churches exist, and I would say Christians exist, to make it better for the people who aren't there. I know of a ministry organization in the United Kingdom that they do these huge youth conferences and get all the teenagers in and they serve their city and stuff. And they don't measure success by how many kids get saved or fill a commitment card or do something. They go to the community and they try to see if they can track crime rates actually dropping and maybe people escaping poverty and the rates of people relying on social service actually lowering. They evaluate the success of their church not by how many people they can get to sit in a row and face the same way on a Sunday, but by what's happening in the town around that church. 
we get, I get magazines and emails and stuff. They send to pastors, and they, I don't know exactly why they, I get these, but there's these magazines that say these are the 100 biggest churches in America, or these are the 100 fastest growing churches in America and stuff. And, and it's just a, a weird thing because we're evaluating success in a particular way then, right? And this is on an organizational level. On a personal level, how are we evaluating the success of our life? Because the first part of Abraham's promise from God seems like a good way to evaluate. I'm being blessed. My, my name is becoming great and my empire is growing. Three things that I can measure as a person and say, yes, when people say my name, they say it like Mufasa. <laughs> <laughs> that was so silly but there is this there is this like when we read that there's something about that measurement of success that feeds something in us and I would say that that's actually that feeds like a darkness in us it feeds a selfishness and a greed and a tendency towards self. And God calls Abraham to become the first person who exists in a way that others' lives are actually better. Jesus says the same thing when he says things like, love your enemies. Like the people who are opposed to you, love them. And don't just say, I love you. Like, actually love them. Make it so their life is better. And we say, but Jesus, that is a lousy way to win this fight. And we start to explain to Jesus why we should be God. Do you see where that goes? When God calls, like, Abraham to become a completely different person. It changes his understanding of tribe and family and nation from being something which exists for the benefit of those to belong to all of a sudden his group is going to be this group that exists for the benefit of those who don't feel like they belong. And in doing that, all of a sudden more and more people will belong because my tribe isn't just the people who are here. My tribe is the people because God apparently loves everyone. And so the people that identify themselves, like I talked about at the beginning, and if they identify themselves in ways that naturally make them opposed to me, my propensity towards them and my predisposition towards them and my prejudice of them is going to be one of my life exists to make your life better. The people who voted the opposite of me, which I didn't vote, right? Because I'm not a citizen. But there was a ballot in our home, which I may have helped with. And there's... <laughs> I get kicked out of the country for voting or sent to like some kind of Guantanamo or something. But there is this, there is this like, uh, you're going to cast your opinion out there and people are going to do the opposite opinion Sometimes a lot of people. And the Christian's response to that is, 
how can I actually make your life better than it is? And for a long time, the Christian's attitude is, let me tell you how I can make your life better than it is. Come over here to my side. <laughs> There's a colonization where we're going to take over. Like we're gonna, It's kind of a scary thing. We're going to take over this city for Jesus. It's like, whoa. <laughs> Let's not hurt it. <laughs> like we're going to win this fight. And when maybe our approach, and not just in a corporate way, but in an individual way, when you walk into work or you walk into your class, it becomes, you become part of a tribe of people who exist to make it better for all the other people. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself. You can go to um, Galatians, uh, which is a book in the New Testament, and Jesus speaks on this as well, but in Galatians 3, it's really specific that it talks about the children of Abraham, the nation of Abraham, isn't defined scripturally by those who are, who are his blood descendants, what we would call the, the Jewish people. That is not the nation of Abraham biblically. Jesus talks about this in Galatians 3. It actually says those who carry the conviction of Abraham are the true children of Abraham. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you follow his teachings, his ways, his life, he is your Lord, you put your full trust in him, then you biblically are defined as a child, an heir to the promise of Abraham. So when God says this to Abraham, I really believe it's like he's saying this to you. And while you're trying to figure out what God wants you to do and your calling and stuff, God says, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to expand your influence and I'm going to bless you and make your name great so that everything around you by the people around you that you aren't related to or you aren't connected to and however you define your identity, life gets better for them. So that the measurement of your faith becomes if you move out of your neighborhood, your neighborhood actually is sad. Or when Christians move in next door, the community, and they won't actually do this, but throws a little party. Because there's people here now who live for the benefit of the people around them. This, I think it falls all the way down to a Christian perspective on marriage. To where being married to someone who follows Jesus is the best thing in the world because they exist for your benefit. They exist to make your life better. And as a believer, I exist to make my spouse's life better. So that it's not just like this promise or this idea, but it becomes our identity and it becomes the tribe to which we belong. Verse 4 says this, So Abraham went. See, the crux of the story isn't God's promise. It isn't Abraham's understanding. It's Abraham's going. So Abraham went, as the Lord has told him, and Lot went with him. And just so you know, Abraham was 75 years old. I just like to throw that in there because I know some of us are so old and established that God can't call us to do this crazy stuff. 
75, all right? 75. And so you know, Abraham, like when I say he was rich, Abraham was so rich that when he left and he went down to Egypt, he actually lied to the Egyptians about his wife and said it was his sister because his wife was such a stunner, he thought people would kill him in order to marry his wife. He's 75. Like, this guy was rich, all right? Like, you can understand that. Like, you are so beautiful, people might, and don't put this in your Valentine's card, right? Like, I love you like a sister because you're so beautiful, I'm afraid people might kill me. For, like, this isn't like a good thing Abraham did, but, and, and I'm not trying to, like, you need to know Abraham isn't some, like, super saint. He isn't some awesome guy who made all the right decisions, whose life was just, like, perfect after this, and... Abraham, though, was a guy who listened to God and then went when he didn't know where it was going to lead. And that promise passes on to us and that conviction passes on to us so that the true children of Abraham, the true family of God, is defined as people who don't know where this leads, but we sure are going there. And we know what's going to happen on the way. God's going to bless us so that we can turn and become a facilitator of that blessing to the people around us. I don't know how this is going to work out. Your life might go up, it might go down, it might go right, it might go left. You might be called to stay where you are. You might be called to move far away from you where you are. And you and I both don't know what's ahead. And we can be tempted to spend a lot of time securing what is ahead and defining and creating and putting some boundaries and some rails and creating that security so that the tribe benefits. And what I want to ask you to do, because I think the scripture asks you to do this, is to open that thing up and move forward saying, here's what I know. I trust God completely and wholly. I know that God will look at me with favor. I might end up making mistakes that affect things. I might lose some of the thing that defines me or gives me security. But I know that the people around me will be blessed because I live in their neighborhood. I know that my city will experience the love of God because I will be the conduit of God's love. I know that the people around me's life will be better because this is why God put me on this earth. This is what we say when we say, if you don't know who to love, look to your right or look to your left and start there. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a person who claims Christ, then your definition of success in your life stops being how many people can I get to agree with me or how many people can I win or how many can I do, like what can I, it starts to be how can I make better? Now, so you know I'm not one of those people who thinks, oh, we're just going to make it better and then and who cares i really really want people to go to heaven i don't just want to make like our city happier 
But I think that the Bible teaches that people repent because of God's kindness. And I want to be an expression of that kindness because I really, really, like I, I pray this with my, I prayed this with Kobe this morning on the way to church, that the people that we come in contact with would be exposed to God in a way that they would turn to him. Kobe says, so that they go to heaven. Theologically, she's eight years old, but whatever. But there is this not, there, this isn't some kind of neoliberalism that says, oh, we're just going to love people and everything's going to, we're going to hug and it's all going to work out in the end. But we are going, we are not going to exist for ourselves. We're not going to gauge success by our own blessing or our own greatness or our own expansion. We will gauge success by the amount of blessing that flows into the people who are around us. Let's pray that way and then we're going to declare it in worship. God, It is really, really easy to like talk about this, I think, on a Sunday. It's uh, remarkably simple to say, uh, like, yeah, we, uh, we agree to this, or we want to uh, say that this is part of who we are. And I, and I think that that verse 4, where Abraham went, is so instructive to us. And so I want to pray for us, specifically for our Mondays, as we begin to go. And for those of us who just felt stuck and are like, God, we kind of would like a, some direction or some like plan or like I'm, I want a, a little bit of instruction. And the instruction is so simple to be. Put our trust in you and move forward and experience what it is to be blessed, to be a blessing Extend your grace to us, God. Enable us to experience what it is to be part of the tribe that exists for the tribes. Amen.